Welcome to the Keos Podcast, a series dedicated to bringing you the best claims and legal insight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keos Safeguarding Matters Podcast. My name is Laura Nolan and I'm an associate and the safeguarding lead in the abuse team here at Keos. I'm joined by Vanessa Latham, who is a partner in the legacy team. Today we are going to be discussing how to manage allegations from a safeguarding employment perspective. I think it's probably sensible to start at the recruitment stage and before you actually employ an individual. Vanessa, do you want to start? Hi, Loran. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree. As a starting point, it's important to identify what role is being recruited for and what responsibilities a person would have as part of that role, such as would they have contact with children or vulnerable adults. By identifying these responsibilities, you can then consider what obligations and restrictions might apply, such as obtaining DBS checks. Background checks and references are also important um, to make sure that the employment history and the qualifications that you're being given by the employee are accurate. Okay, so just to explain for everybody that's listening, um, what is a DBS check? Yes, sorry, I should have said. Um, So a DBS is the Disclosure and Barring Service, um, and they uh, process and issue checks on individuals' criminal records. So an employer can decide whether they want to employ a person if they think they're suitable to employ. The a DBS has the power to issue four types of certificates. Uh, you have basic certificates, standard certificates, enhanced certificates, and enhanced certificates with barred list checks. Uh, so the depending on the type of role that you are recruiting to depends on the certificate that you apply for. Um, It's really important to remember that you can't simply refuse somebody a job because they have a criminal record or concerns are raised on the DBS. You need to consider the role that they're being employed to do and whether they're suitable for it. Uh, I think it's also important that at interview stage, you're also asking pertinent questions about the person's attitudes, for example, towards children, to ensure that their safeguarding values align with your organisation. Thanks, Vanessa. So once you've moved through the recruitment process and then the role's been offered and it's been accepted by the individual, um, what would be the key things to consider when they commence their employment with your organisation? The sorts of things that you can do, um, there's not an exhaustive list, but I'd say, first of all, training is is particularly important. Uh, You want to have training in the relevant safeguarding policies and procedures so that the individual understands their obligations, what they have to do if they have concerns about others. It's also important to ensure they have training in relation to the organisation's safeguarding values. So, for example, if it's a teacher in a school, you'd want to make sure that they have training in the behaviour policies so they understand the correct approach in terms of managing student behaviour. Performance reviews and appraisals of uh, staff is also very important. One of the things that we find is that members of staff worry about criticising people on minor things but actually minor things can escalate very quickly so it's very important that you know if you do have minor concerns about somebody address those with them during the performance reviews processes and and through appraisal process. Uh, If the individual's role changes make sure that any revised checks are considered do you know do you need to now get a DBS certificate Um, and also any further training is offered. Okay, so obviously when we talk about managing allegations, there's a number of factors that we need to consider. So I think it's probably best to explain to everybody what we mean by when we say safeguarding allegation. Um, And that can be any allegation that might relate to any member of staff or volunteer who works or engages in activity with children, who has um, behaved in a way that has harmed a child or may harm a child. 
uh, possibly committed a criminal offence against a child or related to a child, uh, behave towards a child or children in a way that indicates he or she may pose a risk of harm to children, and behaved or may have behaved in a way that indicates that they may not be suitable to work with children. And obviously an allegation can be made by a child or a family member. It can come from another member of staff or, or a completely outside third party. Um, and everything must be viewed from the standpoint of keeping everybody safe. Um, so there's, as a result, there's then the three strands of consideration. Um, will there be a police investigation of a possible criminal offence? Does there need to be inquiries and an assessment by children's social care about whether a child is in need or protection or in need of services? And then obviously consideration by the employer or the organisation of whether any disciplinary action in respect of the individual is then required. I agree. And as well as that, you'll need to also consider whether you're, you're complying with employment rights when you're doing all of that. Uh, it's important to consider the seriousness of the complaint. Uh, the designated safeguarding officer or equivalent uh, will need to consider the allegation and whether that meets the criteria of a safeguarding allegation. If it does, then they need to report to Children's Social Care who can advise them on next steps. Um, what's really important is that you make sure that accurate records are kept regarding all actions taken and also the decisions taken and why they were taken. Uh, if it becomes clear that an investigation by police or children's social care services is not necessary, then you'll need to look at whether you take any disciplinary action against the employee or whether any training is required. Is it something that you can handle informally by explaining to the member of staff why the behaviour is inappropriate, what they should have done um, with a warning of the consequences that they might face if they don't rectify the, the behaviour, along with monitoring of that individual? Or if it's more serious, then do you need to commence an investigation into the uh, complaint that's been made? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think a key issue that makes employers unsure of next steps when an allegation is received is when it comes to suspending individual. And, and do you need to suspend someone in order to investigate allegations of this nature? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, actually. Um, I think it's important that people understand suspension is a neutral act. So it's not a disciplinary sanction, but it's perceived by many as a disciplinary sanction. Um, and so to others, it can imply that a person's guilty. You know, it's not only from the perspective of the person who's being complained about, but also their colleagues um, and, and other third parties. It can suggest to some, that somebody's guilty. Um, a long period of time of suspension can make it difficult for an employee to come back to work. So it should be an act of last resort. You can only suspend when alleged conduct is considered to be gross misconduct if proved. And even if it is, then you need to consider what alternatives there are to suspension. So could the individual work from home? Could they undertake alternative duties which don't attract a safeguarding risk whilst the matter is being investigated? So what would you suggest if the decision is to not suspend that individual? Would you suggest that there is definitely an alteration to the duties? It's very much um, on a case-by-case -case basis and you need to think carefully about the allegations that are being made and the job that the person's employed to do. Uh, unless you have the employee's agreement, you can't fundamentally change their role so that it becomes a breach of contract. So, for example, if you had a teacher, you can't expect them to undertake caretaker duties uh, without their agreement to it just to avoid a suspension. Uh, most job descriptions are fairly broadly worded and so you can often adapt somebody's duties but it, it is very much as I say on a case-by-case -case basis. If you do decide to vary someone's duties then it's important to explain the reason for that to the employee. 
explain the role that that, it, that is being changed. And it's only for the duration of the investigation, um, and that it's just done to protect everybody and make sure that everybody is kept safe, including the employee, and if possible, try and secure their agreement to it. Yeah, thanks, Vanessa. I think it's also really important to try to ensure that any investigation that does take place um, is dealt with as quickly as possible, um, but also in a fair and consistent way um, so that it provides effective protection for the child, but at the same time it supports the person who is the subject of the allegation. And then also they have to take into account all the other members of staff that could be affected by these types of allegations. Yeah, it's also important that if the police are involved in a safeguarding matter, that you don't interfere with that police investigation. Um, you need to be clear about any restrictions that the police might have placed on the individual and make sure that those are complied with. Uh, if you do want to investigate and potentially discipline the person before the uh, the police investigation has been concluded, then you need to get the investigating officer's approval in advance for that to take place so that you're not interfering with their investigation. All cases are different and it's important to get advice on it. But unless the person admits to what they're alleged to have done, then it's normally appropriate to wait for the outcome of the police investigation before you can take any disciplinary action against that employee. Um, it's also important to remember that the designated safeguarding lead can ask the police to share information they've obtained during their investigation, which you can then use as part of your investigation. And in fact, the police actually have a duty to do so if it will avoid unnecessary harm to any children involved. Yes, I do think when it comes to information sharing, that is an area that does make employers um, nervous about what can be shared and, and who it can be shared with. Um, I don't know if you have any, any thoughts or feelings about that. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, I tend to apply a need to know approach. So who needs to know and what do they need to know? Um, so a line manager might need to know that a person can't be left unsupervised with children pending an investigation um, to make sure they allocate tasks appropriately. A potential witness being interviewed might need to know the time and place of an event so that they can say what they saw, but they don't necessarily need to be told all of the allegations that are being made. So it's just important to kind of think about what information other people need and to restrict it as far as you possibly can. Uh, a person's you know, reputation and well-being, whether that's the complainant or the person being complained about, um, could be seriously affected by what others are told. So it's really important to think about the information that's being passed on. Um, if an allegation is substantiated, then obviously there's a duty to disclose it to third parties and to provide information to those third parties. So, for example, the Disclosure and Barring Service, the LADO, uh, the Charity Commission, um, and if it's a regulated profession then their regulatory body so for example the general medical council if it's if it's a doctor it's really important that you don't promise confidentiality to anybody because you, you know the chances are you're not going to be able to comply with that it's also important that if you are passing information on to anybody else that you remind them that they also need to keep it confidential yep that's great thanks Vanessa and um, would you be able to share with us any potential risks of not following best practice Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, if you do dismiss somebody following a safeguarding complaint without properly investigating or if you preempt a police investigation, then the employee can sue you for unfair dismissal. Uh, if the member of staff resigns and claims constructive dismissal, then that's also another potential claim. Uh, that's where an employee says you've essentially fundamentally breached their contract of employment. And that could be by suspending them when it wasn't necessary to do so. Um, and then that has the resultant uh, reputational implications for them. 
and they're entitled to resign as a result of that and they make a claim as I say for constructive unfair dismissal. For those two types of claims you normally need two years service but there are some exceptions to that so that's not always the case. There is also the potential for discrimination claims to be pursued. Uh, for example, you may have a disability discrimination claim where somebody says that their disability resulted in the complaint and that wasn't properly taken into account when they were subject to some sort of sanction. Or you might be, you might have a situation where somebody says that there was a racial motivation to the complaint that was made and their treatment. Um, and so you get a race discrimination claim. If the complainant works for you, then you may also see a claim for uh, whistleblowing detriment where they suggest that they were subjected to detriment because they raised the complaint um, and you'll potentially face an employment tribunal claim on that basis um, and that's why it's so important that when you are dealing with safeguarding complaints you have an eye on any employment rights and any employment obligations that you may have and to make sure that you treat everybody fairly and appropriately during that process. Thank you Vanessa, um, there's certainly a lot to consider um, throughout the process. Um, we hope you find this podcast informative and look forward to our next episode on Keo's Safeguarding Matters. Thank you.